This is Jamal. This is your boy, Adrian. Yo, this is Michael. Thanks for tuning in to The Daily Jam. What up, what up, what up, what's up? You know, I had to channel my inner Martin Lawrence, WZUP. <laughs> it is the Daily Jam. It is the Daily Jam. We are back, man. What's going on? To everybody listening, thank you, thank you, thank you. We are into 2020, and uh, from what I hear, a lot of people came into this year thinking they was about to swag it out. And, uh, <laughs> right now, <laughs> right now, people are regretting and wishing for do-overs and waiting to 2021. But um, yeah, man, what's going on, fellas? I'm living my best life. I don't care what nobody say. This is the greatest time to be alive. It is, man. <laughs> From home? Yes. I get to stay at the crib for a minute? Shit. I mean, for somebody that travels as much, uh, <laughs> this is probably foreign to you, Michael. <laughs> it really is. It really is. I, I hadn't uh, been at home for this amount of time in, in quite some time. So I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it's that's, a great that's time. As a yeah, secret introvert, I, this is great. I mean, like, just having some time found, to just get a lot of work done. I actually found out I have a son. <laughs> that's what he said. That's what he tells me. This dude on my couch, he tells me he's my son. So it's, it's been pretty cool, though. That's crazy. Hey, I saw a meme. I saw a meme the other day that said uh, it showed, like, extroverts, like, cowering and, um, like about to lose their mind. That's right. And the other, the other, the other meme said showed an introvert just chilling, like eating popcorn and shit. It's like right. Yeah, <laughs> I saw one that said, "Check, you know, uh, introverts check on your extrovert friends." We are we not, are not okay. okay. This is correct. <laughs> we are not okay. We are not okay. Not okay. Oh man, yeah. It's 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 been crazy over here just for the simple fact that you know I got a tribe and um. That's not a tribe. That's a group of my brother. Yeah, they. I got a tribe and. Even they going crazy because they're like, man, you mean I can't go talk? To, I can't go outside and play with my friends? Nope. Because if you catch it, guess what? You ain't coming back in this house. <laughs> wow. Well, I was listening to your uh, <laughs> wife this morning. She went Facebook Live and she was saying she was sharing her story of how uh, because there's a lot of elderly people who live in y'all community, but um, one of your sons that went out there to play basketball, but when he did, he went yeah. out there and invited the whole neighborhood. So it was like ten teenagers over there, and she told him that they all had to go home. <laughs> Oh yeah, dude. So, and I was at, I was at the store, and she called me. <laughs> she was like, um, "I look up, and there's like ten kids outside trying to play basketball in front of the house." And uh, I tried to get them to go, and they didn't disperse. So I had called. Disperse. I had called my son. I was like, "Listen, you gotta you, you gotta get them out of here." And uh, you, you just they gotta go. They better be gone when I get home. So when I got home, they were gone. Um, but he was like, "Dad, all it did was call two people." <laughs> I was like, so what? The, the, the magic bat phone rang, nigga. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know why. I don't even know why they they paid attention to you because your youngest son beat you up the other day. He saw it on video. <laughs> so, like, actually, no. Oh, so no, that was actually Donovan who uh, wanted to wrestle. And uh, Donovan, I don't know. You know, he has this aggression where he has to fight every week. Like he wants, he physically wants to fight every week. So he'll. Be like, all right, dad, it's time. I'm like, all it's right, time. dude, you, <laughs> you don't want these problems, young fella. And uh, but I, if he needs that type of to let that aggression out, it's I'm all good. But guess what? We still got two more weeks of this quarantine, so uh, my money he in on, trouble. 
when when he becomes a, a full grown giraffe, I think he's gonna get you. <laughs> really, he gonna take oh, he, he really? gonna challenge his father to take over the pride. Isn't that animal instinct? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I can't stand y'all. Anyway, so what I want to do before we truly get started and get into this is give a couple birthday shout outs. We've had some close people to us um, have birthdays this month. Uh, first of all, I want to give a shout out to Deb, one of the best flight attendants uh, in the world. Uh, correction, Val. Shout out to Val. Val is the best flight attendant in the world. Val, if you're listening, Val, I love you and I miss you. But Val ain't ha- wow. don't have a birthday. Val, Val doesn't have a birthday. Yeah, that's all right. Well, in that case, Deb, shout out to Deb. I love you and I miss you. Yes, Deb, <laughs> happy birthday. Uh, two of my sons. Huh? Deb's the homie. Deb is the homie. Yeah, she's the A one from day one. She's one of our biggest fans, actually, on on the show. She is. I do love Deb. All right, and I like that phrase, A one from day one. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but it's not like A list preferred, like it is on Southwest Airlines. However, yeah. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't name. I didn't name the, air, air, however, the airline. However, Deb. However, Deb, Deb if you're wow. listening, please note that I had a ticket booked on Spirit Airlines because uh, we were supposed to oh, go to California, and. And I had booked the big comfy seat that cost me an extra like eight thousand dollars to get that seat to fly they from. Have, they have comfy seats on. Exactly. You remember when she posted that uh, that new oh, uh, that. the new plane with the little big comfy chairs? I thought they only had one of those. Uh, apparently, I was I was on it because I had it. I was I was the number one seat, and uh, but not that, anymore. That one jet. Oh wow. <laughs> Ooh. Wow. You got some splaining to do. <laughs> okay. Any, sure so yeah, Deb, happy, happy birthday. Right. Deb, happy birthday. Uh, shout out to two of my sons. I had uh, one turn 14 and Donovan and the other one just is actually uh, 12 today. Um, so happy birthday to Jalen. Yep. Oh, happy wow. birthday to Jalen. And then last but not least. Wait, um, wait, wait. Hold on. So we can't talk about your sons? What about them? <laughs> Well, I mean, it just seems like you and your wife do it at the same time of year. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just Dude, let's stick to the birthdays. <laughs> I know, but it was still at the same time that y'all had sex. And so the children came <laughs> within a couple of weeks apart from each other. Look, no comment. Speaking of which, on, on this uh, FaceTime video, is that the bed y'all can see? <laughs> Listen. This is Jamal not Ray's boom boom, boom boom room. <laughs> this is not Ray's boom boom room. Jamal is coming um, to you live from the boom boom room. <laughs> live from live from. Shut up! <laughs> Can't stand you fools. Um, yes, uh, anyway, this is where the magic happens. <laughs> shout out to Donovan and Jalen. I like Donovan. Yeah, Donovan to is going to be a really really successful dude or extremely homeless. One of the two. There's not going to be. <laughs> Wait, how are you extremely? <laughs> said it's not going to be in between. <laughs> No. But what's the definition of extremely homeless though? Like you either homeless or you're not. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, he's going to be either real good or real bad. Life oh, is going to turn out real good or real bad. Not Jamal got a good, a good, a good clan over there. He really does. Oh, it's a great clan. Yeah. He's like, and, and Donovan is my favorite. But don't tell, don't tell. You don't tell anybody else. No, don't tell you. Yeah. I don't care about. And then Jalen just quiet. Yeah. But Jalen was Jalen was the one with the hole in the sock, right? Yes. Yeah, I had to chase him yep. around and get a picture. Oh, that was funny. That was so funny. That <laughs> really was. But it, but the changes in them is funny, cause especially Jalen, because he is so quiet. He'll like he walked in this morning and said, "I'm 12," 
and then walk right back out the door. I'm like, <laughs> and he did it with his deep ass voice. I'm like, dude, y'all get, a, you? y'all get him a cake or something? We was there 12 years and nine months ago when we conceived you. That's what you should do. Right. Like we knew right, that. Any more birthdays? We got to move on. Yes. Last last but not least, the princess of the Sanders tribe, uh, Micaiah. Happy birthday to you as well. Yes. Micaiah Faith. Ain't nobody talking about Micaiah. She's 27. 27. 27. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all, y'all, uh, birthday pictures was actually pretty, uh, pretty fly. They were, weren't they? They were. We're, we're actually starting a whole Instagram. We, uh, there's the Instagram we wanted, either the family or La Familia. And uh, somebody, of course, got it. So we're actually trying to buy it from them because they have like less than 200 followers. And we're going to, oh, Lord. You know, yeah. We're just going to have all these dope, you know, family pictures things and the little videos that we do around the holidays. We're going to do that kind of stuff. So happy birthday, Micaiah, Jalen. Yes. Happy birthday. Donovan and Deb. As a, and as a special. We got our good friend who I was partying with the other day, which we'll talk about later. Stevie Wonder. You know, I'm I'm still wondering how he got into the. Stop it! <laughs> <laughs> what, I, I'm just, I, you know, we'll we'll talk about it. But yeah, I, I just I'm, I'm wondering how he stepped into the to the party. Quit, Go ahead. Quit dropping. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday to all of our fans and all of our fans they they listen to. I was actually surprised that uh, my daughter listened to all of the podcasts because remember she told me off on one when I was telling about the prom date. Yes. <laughs> yes, in one of our early early sex, episodes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Yeah. I didn't know she listened. But anyway. Well, right, well, she does. All right. We got a new segment coming up called America. Let's get it started. Jamal, you want to kick us off first with the Wendy's breakfast? Oh, my God. So, yes, Wendy's. Wendy's just started a breakfast. And let me tell you, when um, they announced that they were doing breakfast, they started going in. And anybody that follows Wendy's on Twitter, if you're not, please do, because that is probably the most hilarity that you'll see on Twitter at any given point. So what got me is... I'm sorry. Wendy's is so cocky. And arrogant and confident that even when they came out with breakfast, they said this is the best breakfast in America, and they just came out. <laughs> and they just came out. So it's funny because shortly after that, McDonald's announced on Twitter that all their egg McMuffins were going to be free the next day. And somebody tweeted Wendy's and said, What do you think about this? And Wendy said, Well, that's cool. Now you just be disappointed for free. <laughs> I'll be. That is literally my favorite Twitter account to follow. Yeah, between oh them God. and God, uh, God. Oh, they are hilarious. But um, it just shows the impact that they have. And that this, um, I remember being part of uh, Wendy's a long time ago in terms of the Day Thomas Foundation. 
they have to be kind of tech savvy or social media savvy because a lot of the board directors, as you know, as most board directors are kind of older people. And to have uh, such a commanding presence on social media and the sarcasm is just hilarious to watch and how they go after their competition. Yeah. Oh, and they it, they cutthroat. Wendy's is cutthroat when it comes to everybody savage. else. Hashtag yes, they are savage. savage. Like I, so, I want to, I'd like we want to kind of like start like some beef with them or something. Just to, I, mm, I don't I'm know if we want them problems. Though. Yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, yeah. I'm to say, I don't know if we want them problems. No, no but I, I would, I would don't... actually love to meet whoever runs their social media accounts. Like seriously, I yeah. Like we should, yeah, try to get we should, we, yeah, we should DM them and get them on the show. That's a great idea, Michael. You use Twitter more Let's than do I do, so you should do it. Okay. Yeah, Mike is a Twitter guru. I don't know if you remember in season one, we talked about which uh, which social media we use the most. And uh, right. by far, Twitter was Michael's go-to. So, Mike, yeah. go ahead and reach out. I'll do that. Yes. I'm going to reach out. All right. And audience, yeah. y'all heard it here, so we have to hold him accountable. Make sure that y'all tag and text uh, Michael on social media saying, hey, did you contact Wendy's yet? And then also ask for free breakfast. That's right. I'm gonna right. Because, you know, Alzheimer's can set in and uh, he could forget. <laughs> I'm going to contact him every week until they respond. All right. Moving on. Last uh, weekend, the three of us, even though we are in quarantine, or yes. did you have anything else to talk about, Jamar? We're going to move on to our the party. No, let's, let's, let's get to it. Let's all get right. to the meetup. Yeah. So we yeah. were all three of us were at our party uh, last week in L.A. It was fantastic. Saturday night. Yep. Saturday, Saturday night. night with D Nice. It was great. Um, fantastic. I was rocking out with whole bunch of my closest friend Kelly Rowland and I shared a few conversations Quincy Jones I danced with Elizabeth Warren of course I'm talking about club quarantine with D nice who um, threw a huge massive party on Insta- uh, Instagram live and just tore oh, wow. the house down told that man Lenny Kravitz was in the building he played a couple Lenny Kravitz records I forgot about I did too I forgot oh my god and I, it just made me remember how much of a fan or how much of, that I am of Lenny but also how great of an artist he is yeah so he put out a lot of tunes. Yeah, it was, it was such a cool environment. I mean, I, like everybody was loving it. You know, at this time that everybody's kind of going through in the world and, you know, just kind of coming together. You know, I think it was so dope. I mean, I got texts from several people like, hey, you got to go on IG Live, be nice. You know, of course, I was already on there. Yeah. I was texting people. People, you know, were posting it on other social media sites. Um, I think Saturday night, it got just over 100,000. Yeah. At the highest or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yep. I mean, it was just like an epic event, man. I was so excited to be a Michelle part of Obama, it. Oprah, Ellen, and those just superstars. I mean, yeah. and celebrities, but the amount yeah, of they people. They were all in my VIP section. <laughs> um, <laughs> actually, Bernie and, and Joe Biden came by. Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden came by the section for a mm-hmm. minute. You know, how mm-hmm. uh, it was cool. I was hanging out with about. KLB. Y'all know her as Mayor Lance Bottoms, but we have nicknames, so I call her KLB. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Daily Jam VIP party um, was was actually pretty stacked and, and pretty dope, man. I mean, we we bought out several bars. I, <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, popping bottles and everything. Right. The, the 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 lines for the restroom weren't long at all. I mean, it was like, <laughs> it was like literally the perfect party. Yeah. You could order food and get it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> immediately. You know, um, yeah. but I think what what's a, what gave me the most um, the most feeling was. You know, I don't know. I'm a you know I'm a music fan. I DJ on the side. He didn't play any in the nine hours he was going on Saturday. He played nothing twice. That was epic. That's that's he played amazing. right, and and that that's a that's an enormous feat. Um, you know, to just run through the gamut of black music. And I mean, they, they, 
and just know that nothing's been repeated. And one of the things that was cool, just as the kind of the nerd slash historian in me, is the new generation of music fans, because Instagram mm-hmm. is such is usually reserved for a younger demographic. But once mm-hmm. word started spreading out, and then they started listening and paying attention to the music, I would I would almost willing to bet the amount of new fans that some of these older artists are now getting because they were exposed to the music because of DJ Nice was playing for such a long time right. and it was spreading like it was. Because the next day, he had like one hundred fifty thousand. Uh, people right. listening in on the show, and so um, I th- that's just phenomenal. Quincy Jones, so like just being in the same room, like like virtual room, where so much of the influence of the people that make that music, yeah. the history of music, are literally in the room listening to their music, but also listening to how their music is spanning the globe. I think it's kind of a pretty cool thing too, and the awesome power of technology. Well, and and as they jumped on and he seen them, he played their music. You know, to homage, like, again, so go back to the first segment and me wondering how in the hell Stevie Wonder jumped in on uh, on the live stream. If you ever wonder how you got to hell. (laughs) Listen, I I love, love, I'm a Stevie Wonder fan through and through. I love his music. Um, I have probably every record that he's, that he's done. I mean, Stevie's done some amazing things in music, period, because, I mean, there he has millions of records that he's played every instrument on mm-hmm. yeah like master blaster he played every instrument on that song um black and, and dope, you know, that's crazy i liked it i i will always have great admiration and respect for stevie because uh after the um after the the uh, mass shooting in Dayton, Ohio, Dave Chappelle organized this big event, like a, one of his mm-hmm. famous block parties, and one of the yep. guests was uh, Stevie Wonder. Um, and for him to come all the way to that little my little small hometown and play uh, for the thousands of people who were gathered there in the Oregon district is mad respect for him for a lifetime. I mean, I mean of course, he's done a, a whole bunch of stuff musically, but just from a personal connection, that was pretty really, really dope to see such a legend like playing on the yeah. street that I drive up and down all the time. Right. Yeah, he's always the, been one of the people. Oh, yeah. And then so Saturday, I mean, Sunday. So that was the nine hours of Saturday. Sunday, he rocked out for four hours and he literally rocked, rocked nothing but old school. Like I, I've i seen people in there talk about um, I, like I saw something on Facebook to say, hey, for you old school folks, old school folks, uh, this is a reason for you to get Instagram because he's D nice is rocking a lot of old school music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're talking old school, old school. So it was, oh, uh, so it was good to see he was bridging the gap between generations, um, but also just bringing people light and love with music. You know, and I, I think that we've been saying it like forever. You know, music has this special thing that really brings people together, and that was, in my, from my estimation, it was just a beautiful um, way to kind of see, you know, what we've kind of been saying. You know, a visual mm-hmm. um, yep. aspect of what we've kind of been saying about how important music is how powerful music is how literally it yes. changes how people feel about themselves a lot of people were down you know as a yep. result of kind of what's been going on in the world and things like that and literally just in an afternoon and eve that went on into the evening uh change how people felt you know people were much brighter was much more excited about life you know gave people hope mm-hmm. i mean so that was that was so exciting to kind of see yeah and it didn't feel like social distancing even though everyone was in their own respective uh places where they yes. were so people were in their homes in their dining room i, mm-hmm. I remember i i will n- probably not forget this i saw a comment that said 
we um, fed our kids, did X, Y, and Z, uh, did their homework, and now we're sitting down enjoying a glass of wine, and we did this throughout the entire day listening to you. Like, they had gone through right. their entire day listening to DJ Nice yeah. and the music he was playing uh, in the midst of this new, um, this new yeah. s- social norm that we're in where we got to all stay at home for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And then I know I don't know how long you guys stayed on, but he ended Saturday night at two a.m. I had to go to bed. I had church in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I was rocking with D Nice until two a.m. And uh, man, I I was sad that it it had to end. But you know, yeah, all all good things do. Yep, and the reason and the reason why we had to listen to DJ Nice is because what we got to talk about coming up next. Coming up next. Yep. Oh, 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 yes. The coronavirus. I wish you would have played that, though. <laughs> if he nice would have played that, I'd have lost it. Hey, yeah, if he would have mixed that in, it, it, it would have got like completely lit and crunk in, in that joint. The coronavirus is real and it is here. Oh, my it is. God. <sighs> it's crazy. You got states locking down. I mean, Ohio just, Governor DeWine just put the, uh, put the lions out <laughs> and, said that, and said that, uh, as of 11:59 tonight, the state is on a lockdown. So, if you ain't going to get groceries or to the pharmacy, you shouldn't be outside. But shout out to Dewine though. He's, he's been the the leader uh, in the country for the response to it. Um, him and his uh, director of public health, Dr. Amy Acton, I believe is her name, has been used as a model. And here in the in America, you know, despite all the craziness that goes on in politics, there is still some yeah. level of decorum that I don't know think people realize. And so, the first mm-hmm. level is the governors of the states always do their press conferences after the president and the federal government, mm-hmm. and then do they, they do their responses, and then the mayors do their responses. And so um, after the president uh, in the White House in Washington gets his response, um, everyone turns to Ohio to see what Governor DeWine is going to say and how he's going to announce it. Uh, and he's been pretty cool, calm, and collected throughout the whole process. And so uh, this yeah. is crazy, crazy, crazy times we're living in. Um, but I think our governor announced today here in Maryland that uh, we're um, uh, going to go on some sort of shelter-in-place order. Um, and I know New York is on one, California's on one, but yeah. Uh, so it, it is, at, it's at, cr- so at what point did you guys know that this was like real, real serious? Like it's you know this what about our third week really kind of talking about it yeah. uh, or kind of experiencing it, you know, from some particular level. Like at what point? What what happened that made you say, "Oh wow, this is actually." I knew in I knew in January when I saw China building those two hospitals from that drone video. Mm-hmm. Mm. I didn't think that it was that serious, at least here in America, until um, all the sports began to they began to cancel all of the, the sports. Oh like, man, they yeah, shut down. I was like, oh, wait a minute, you know. No, see, and then and then it's you know when you tell me that March Madness isn't happening, that's one thing I look forward to every year. But that didn't hit, get here March, till late, though. I mean, well, those announcements right. got here till late, right? Though, right? Yeah. But still, the the fact that major sporting events, yeah, were first questioning, still going on without fans. I'm like, oh, okay, this this doesn't sound good. And then it was, you know what? Not only we're we not doing fans, we're not doing you know major sports. Else. Period. Yeah. Yeah, remember, um, when we got, remember when we got the text from uh, E? He was at the uh, Oklahoma City game. Oh, uh, yeah. Game because two of the Port, well, at that, they didn't actually know, but um, it came out later that, you know, one of the Portland Trail Blazers 
um, had tested positive. Actually, has it? Yeah. No, it so wasn't. Had, it was was it the Trailblazers? I thought no. It was it was the Jazz. Jazz, yeah, Utah Jazz. Yeah, right. yeah. they're playing Utah Jazz. That's right. Yeah, and so that came out. You know, they did introductions and everything, and they kind of paused. They went back. He he was telling us, um, and then they ended up canceling the game um, as a result of that. That that was crazy. Yeah, and that player who tested game. positive had kind of been nonchalant. So to your previous question about when you know it was serious, that particular mm-hmm. player was kind of not taking it serious and ended up spreading it to other teammates. And his other I teammates are were became very upset with him because, again, everyone thought it was just this virus that was overseas, not that big of a deal. Right. Everyone's blowing us out of proportion. The media is getting us all out of proportion. And the whole time I've been reading and watching it, it seemed like this was a different type of virus because just of how panicky – the health officials were. And I believe there was a story a long time ago. Um, there was a particular Chinese doctor who kept warning about it and he ended up mm-hmm. catching the virus and dying from it. And the Chinese government um, had told um, the news outlets to, or told the hospital at the time to put him back on life support and to report that he was fine and in critical condition and not to report that he was actually dead yet. Like that's when you knew, like when you got so, governments getting involved in the decision-making, you got hospitals being built at a rapid pace and you got yeah. other countries considering closing the borders. Like a, yeah. It's, 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 it's a little deep. like a movie. That I well, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy because I watched, I let, I watched outbreak yesterday uh, and I let the kids watch it with me because I'm like, let me just find something to watch. And Outbreak was a good movie, you know, Morgan Freeman, uh, Dustin Hoffman, you know, one of those old old '90s movies. And um, they did the same thing, you know. Remember they they bombed the, the, where oh, yeah. it first originated. They bombed the joint and thought it was done. Um, so Donovan's asking me questions like, why would they do that? And then I was like, mm, look, sound familiar? And Donovan's <laughs> like. Yeah. So you mean to tell me this could have been th- they knew about this all along? I said, "Yep." <laughs> there are reports that actually no, there are not reports because it's been confirmed now. Uh, at least <clears throat> in our particular government, I'm not one for conspiracy theories. Like if I if I can't prove it or if I can't you know verify it from multiple sources, I don't believe it. Um, but uh, here in this country, the U.S. government had been entailing and briefing people in at higher ups that this is very very serious up to the point that we had three senators who cashed mm-hmm. out a lot of their stock because they knew that it was coming yes. here. And now they're under fire by both uh, progressive and conservative media. So when you got all news outlets mad at you, uh, mm-hmm. that you pulled your money out the stock market and didn't, and kept telling everybody this is fine, it's not a big deal, that's when you know you done messed up. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, you know, all the conspiracy theorists. And I'm generally not a huge conspiracy theorist, but, you know, I do like to engage in some of, the conversations because I, I mean I really do think that there are a lot of conspiracies you know things that government don't tell us you know? yeah um, and so uh, some some of the theories make sense some of them are just you know sound crazy to me but you know. the craziest theory I heard and this is why you can't take us seriously is that this doesn't affect black people right. <laughs> man let me tell you how that is it, not it true was, because it wasn't until, I, I it wasn't until someone kept a lot of people kept texting me it was like adrian you okay Are you okay i kept hearing that you got the coronavirus i was like what are you talking about like it's all over what? the internet and i was like man that's people. idris alba that wasn't me but i saw i had to go out oh, with like oh an official God. statement out there like it, on, because man. people get us confused a lot <laughs> they get us confused on, a lot man. for real just, just log off <laughs> Knock it off. <laughs> Just log off. But man, y'all don't understand Knock how often off. I get confused with him. But he even came out. He posted on his Twitter mm-hmm. um, that he's, that is he's not like. Go ahead, my bad. I mean, he's black, but he's still British, though, so it don't really count. <laughs> what? Name name a non light skinned black American that has it. Uh, there's a couple in the NBA. 
Oh uh, yeah. Light skin. No, not light skin. The dude from the jazz was light skin. No, 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 no. no, no. Uh Kevin Durant. Oh Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant. Durant. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Boom. Thanks, Thanks, Adrian. Well, he was more susceptible because of Here it no. comes. No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, first of all, God was getting him back for leaving the Golden State Warriors. So, <laughs> oh, really dude. You can't, you can't name another one. Uh, yes, he was. Yes, you can. Dude. Multiple players, or, or, multiple yeah. players on his team, multiple players from across the uh, the uh, couple, a few NBA teams that have tested positive for coronavirus. Look, Listen, we have how many confirmed? We we have how many confirmed cases in this in this country as of now? Uh, it's I know it's well over thirty thousand. I don't know the exact number, but I know it's over thirty thousand confirmed cases. Right. So I mean, some so, of them got to be as black as you, Mike. Well, no, I don't, I don't think so. I don't. I don't think so. I mean, like I. Yes, Kevin Durant, because guys getting him back for leaving the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> um, but like, other than somebody that God may be getting back, you, you probably can't name one. Well, we, well, it's not like they they produce a list of these people every right, that, right. Uh, and their race. Right. <laughs> I just said that could be a valid theory, a valid conspiracy theory. And you're and you're what's wrong with the the disinformation <laughs> misinformation part of me to. Uh, Idris yeah. Alba came out and said, so, "Like it is a false premise or narrative to think that oh, black people don't yeah. catch the coronavirus. That is not true." The, the interesting thing is, I wonder because I don't know where it actually started from. I, of course, seen all the people posting about it, and you know, I just kind of laugh. I wonder if the person who kind of started it started it as a joke. Like, did it? You know, was it intended to be a joke? Right, and it know, just kind of took off. Play like that, and then people kind of take things serious. Um, well, I, I think. I think it came from because it hadn't hit the continent yet, right? Oh, so yeah. it was hitting everywhere else, but Africa, and it, yeah. and it hadn't hit the continent, and uh, then it hit the continent, and people were like, well, nope, <laughs> that ain't true. Speaking of how stuff starts, where do y'all think this whole notion of we gotta have all the toilet paper in the world came from? I still don't know the connection. Well, I still don't know the connection. I don't know, but somehow I, I'm convinced though that toilet paper is a cure. <laughs> I, I am. I mean, you know what? I was in Kroger the other day, and they had a sign. I actually took a picture of it, and it said that you know, due to um, the seriousness of the coronavirus and people, you know, hoarding toilet paper, we're going to limit it to two row or two packages per person. Mm. And so, I, I thought that was actually very interesting. And then, of course, my mind thought, well, you, you know, black people always got a way around that, you know, <laughs> right? You know, and Ray Ray out the car, and so everybody gonna get to you know buy two themselves so that they can kind of have it all. But I don't know. I, I just I, I don't know. I Where have seen comes? countless no videos. The answer. I have seen countless videos of people fighting in the store and all over the country over toilet paper. I know the particular grocery store that's up the street. It's one of those community grocery stores, not community grocery stores, but it's one of the gr only few grocery stores around. So it's a little bit more expensive, but it's not bad. But they've limited to like one per person. Um, luckily, um, which we'll get into a little bit here, uh, I kind of order my stuff staggeredly, so I did. I will, I will never run out of toilet paper. Um, but it's just we know this. <laughs> we know this. Have you seen the Daily Jam page? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> if if you if, if you want to see how much toilet paper Adrian has on hand, please go to the Daily Jam Facebook page and or the Instagram page and check out the video. I don't hoard toilet week. paper. I just keep a steady supply of toilet paper, but. It oh, just that's a steady supply. <laughs> it right. just reveals that will never run out. the true nature of people who just do a lot of panic buying. And somewhere, somehow, someone said that you got to have the 
the big closet full of toilet paper and now you can't keep toilet paper on the shelves but then everybody was making jokes like but the cleaning shelves are still stocked full of <laughs> full of all the cleaning supplies right <laughs> yeah right yeah. and so even the people that don't use wet wipes use wet wipes now do you guys think that um there was any overreaction in this country to hell um, yeah so what one obviously could be how people responded with the toilet paper and hand sanitizer because you can't find that anywhere now yeah, I, I think there's a huge overreaction because all all the health officials were telling us was wash your fucking hands, <laughs> right? <laughs> you should have learned to do, you know, in preschool, but uh... exactly, you know, wash your hands. You know, stay six feet away from pe- each other. Um, you know, the whole new concept of social dis- distancing. Um, none of that, in my mind, says buy toilet paper. But have, have you guys ever, so as you like travel and, and, you know, out in public restrooms, have you noticed how many men don't wash their hands? Yes. After they use the at, oh, yeah. At airports, yeah. I am appalled at the number of men who will use the restroom and grab their suitcase and just walk out. And I'm like, no. I pray to God you're not on my flight because I'm going to talk about you out loud. Dude, hey, bro, in the blue bathroom. blazer, I was just in the bathroom. No homo, but you didn't wash your hands. Right. Exactly. Nasty bastard. Don't touch me. <laughs> Uh, But to answer your to answer your question, I think that this just again it's just the the thinker in me. The it just expresses how individual individualistic we are in this country, where we don't think about it until it hits us, and then when it does hit us, we panic because it's all fine and dandy when it's over there in Europe and in China because you know we're kind of closed off. I mean, we're only connected to you know Mexico and. uh, Canada, Canada in terms of our neighbors, mm-hmm. but over in Europe and some of the, in Asia and all those other continents, they're, you know, it's very, they're all connected. But once it hit here and people start right. realizing, oh, oh, this is serious. Oh, it's spreading. Oh, especially when it broke out in Washington state at those nursing facilities um, where a lot oh, of those yeah. young people were like six. Uh, and when it first reported, like six, you know, elderly citizens had died in a short amount of time, like, oh, and then New York, like when the governor sent the National Guard in to contain the small city to keep the spread, like, like, oh, now we got to really go out there and buy all this stuff. Um, so I do think that we panic in this country a lot because it's, it's not, well, that's not in our backyard. And then when it hits our backyard, then we kind of overreact. Yeah. Well, I, I and, that, and I think, uh, I think it was uh, Dr. Drew, um, was it Polinsky or something like that? It used to be, uh, he was a doctor uh, on, um, on on TV or something like yep. that. Yeah, I know you're talking about. Yep. Uh, he was interviewed not long ago on CNN, and they asked, you know, um, did we are we overreacting to this? And he said, you know, from a medical standpoint, absolutely, we're overreacting, you know, to it. And how and he blamed his he blamed the media. He said because of how the media is handling it and what they're reporting, and they're reporting things that are not necessarily accurate. You have reporters trying to. Um, say things that only a medical doctor could really actually. Oh yeah, say. he went off. So they're taking he went off and stuff like that. He said, "Yeah, it's it's you know we are in the state that we're in because of how the media is reporting it, not because it is that serious." And then he you know he attempted to um, you know make it uh, or he he addressed it from a medical you know standpoint and kind of gave you know the mm-hmm. practical stuff that the people did the practical things like you know when you're sick. You know, kind of stay away from people, you know, um, wash your hands, you know, uh, make sure you don't touch your face and all of those little basic stuff that we probably should have always been doing anyway. I think most people mm-hmm. probably did. And this really just showed 
how nasty motherfuckers are in America. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're right. They're looking at this shit like it's really new, like it's a, a novel concept. It's like, no, you concept. Yeah. Some nasty I'd have to disagree with Dr. Drew, um, even though I'm not a medical professional, I should be, uh, for two reasons. I don't think the media blew it out of proportion. I think the the problem and the issue is, and this is, unfortunately, this is not today's unpopular opinion. I think people are just not well informed. And it's not about uh, uh, true that is about washing hands and staying away from people, one. But as we've seen across the country, people are defying the orders, period. So even with the media, all the media hysteria, people are still out in parks. People are still out throwing parties, including our own mm-hmm. Michael Sanders, who just had a barbecue at his house over the weekend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the, the issue to controlling the spread is not about people catching the virus. That part, I believe he is accurate world. You know, if, you, if for the most part, those who catch the virus can can be cured from it, you know, by taking care of yourselves. It's not overburdening the healthcare system. That's the issue. That's the main reason why governments are taking these steps so that those who, when they do finally do catch it, especially those who are in critical populations, um, will overburden the healthcare system. And our country isn't set up to handle that much capacity in such a short amount of time. Flattening the curve is the term they use. But I think, I think his his point was, is that in in doing that, and I I think that he was in agreement that, you know, he understands that the healthcare system cannot be overburdened, that we're not um, equipped to handle that, but how it was handled by the media caused a, a panic by the average American. And so they overreacted. Now you can't find toilet paper, some places you can't find meat, you know, some right, yeah. emptied out and things like that, as if, you know, um, the, the entire world is going to stop and you're going to be in your house for the next three years or something right. like that. Right. That's true. You know? That part I agree with. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and Will Smith, um, he, they just did a whole red table talk with Will and Jada. And he, I think he explained it the best way I've heard as far as overloading the, the healthcare system. He was like, if a hospital only has 40 beds to deal with respiratory issues, patients with respiratory issues, what happens to the other 20 that are in there for the same thing? They can't, you can't help them. Right. You can't, you just physically can't help them. And it just makes sense. Um, to do those precautionary things. Yeah, and people so. with the panic buying of toilet paper, they're also taking up all the hand sanitizer and personal protection equipment, uh, which mm-hmm. is needed for medical equipment. I know New York has now, which is a very controversial thing, New York has prisoners uh, making hand sanitizer. Uh, and right. New York oh, is really? now making their yeah New York is now making their own hand hand sanitizer for the state at a very very reduced cost um, because of the labor that they're using, of course, and then also what they're selling yeah, it at. Right. So. You know, it's funny. I saw a meme, uh, guys. It, it said, "I feel," and I feel sorry for the '80s babies, even though I'm not far from the '80s babies. But <laughs> the meme said, '80s babies have gone through two economic crashes: 9/11, Hurricane Katrina, and a Trump presidency, and a global pandemic, all before the age of 40." <laughs> See, so now y'all understand why I am so stressed in this world. Y'all don't understand the amount of pressure that has been put on my life because I'm an '80s baby. Master yeah, economics. I think that's why y'all so scared of it, though. Who's scared? I'm not scared. I'm out here living my best life. I ain't going back and forth with you. <laughs> Mike, what's that line? I'm an 80s baby. I mastered economics. School of hard knocks. But um, before we get ready to move on, let's talk about real quick, and because our main topic today is triggers, and we got, we got a great story coming up uh, from Michael, but I've realized uh, yeah. that during this uh, kind of crisis, and I'll share more on this at the end of the show, um, of just how triggering this type of pandemic can be for young people 
um, not just young people who grew up in foster care, um, which is kind of the arena that we work in, but just young people in general who are very, very confused about this going on and this whole idea of social distancing and not being able to go out with their friends or not being able to hang out because they may not pay attention to this news as much as we do. And so that's been uh, extremely triggering and have forcing parents to have conversations with young people about why it's important that we can't um, go hang out or, or life is not uh, normal as usual. And I know this has caused me to do a lot of reflection because of uh, growing up in the system of what precautions I've taken, but also more importantly, just kind of how it's kind of normal f- stuff for me to be doing because I've been doing this for so long because of the stuff that I went through when I was younger. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder like if social yeah. media um, has helped or hindered with uh, this so social distancing. Some people would think that social media kind of created a social distancing. Anyway. Uh, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so people are you know somewhat kind of prepared um, for at least that piece of it, particularly people who didn't, um, you know, do a whole bunch of in-person stuff anyway with folks. Right. Well, and I, I would say my children real quick and, you know, we'll cut, but my children have, basically my oldest, because he's a social dude, he's having the, the most problem with it because he's like, why can't I go see my homies? <laughs> I think the extroverts you know, so. versus introverts, I think that is real. I think that a lot of stuff that's going out in terms of panic buying, uh, not having or not being able to uh, go see friends and families if you have old, uh, relatives, if they're in social um, uh, social care facilities, I believe all that stuff can be very, very triggering and traumatic. And I believe that there's a part of this coronavirus that we're dealing with um, that we're not addressing yet, which is the mental health and well-being. Um, but we'll get into that on a later day. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about triggers. Stick with us. Bang, bang. Go figure, you were the trigger. You brought me to an obstructive view. When you know the picture was bigger, who am I kidding? Knew from the beginning. You to ruin everything, you do it every time You are my enemy, you are no friend of mine, motherfucker uh, You motherfucking right, you motherfucking right, I'm bitter You motherfucking right, I'm triggered You motherfucking right, I wanna fuck you right now I just turned the lights out now And you know when the sun go down, that's when it would all go down Been a minute, been a while, and nobody hit it since you hit it well, someone's triggered, huh? That's what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Part of that song was played because in about nine months, there are going to be a whole new generation of Rona babies. <laughs> <laughs> Rona babies with Rona names. <laughs> That's right. And everybody's going to be triggered as a result of uh, <laughs> those children being born. Oh, man. So how do we get to this point? How do we get uh, to this topic of triggers? Mike? So um, that was interesting. So I had a keynote address for a group of folks um, a couple of weeks ago, like, I guess, almost like right at the start of this whole coronavirus thing, right before um, things began to be canceled and uh, all of those types of things. And I had did a little activity. It was a mixed group with teenagers and adults who work with teenagers in it. And I did um, an activity, a really brief activity. Um, that I was told may have triggered some young people 
as a result, you know, the, the activity. And so, um, you know, after kind of processing it with several people, uh, kind of found out that um, maybe only one person actually really was triggered and how the adults decided to handle that was kind of a, um, in a way that, that wasn't helpful both to the person who was triggered you know, or to other people that was at the conference. So I think that they really uh, botched the um, processing of kind of that whole thing. But I think it's important to really kind of talk up for us to talk about triggers, you know, things like really what are triggers, you know, and um, how are people triggered and, you know, how does it affect young people um, and, and how do we deal with them? And so I want to start really the conversation with the whole idea of really what triggers are. And I think that from a mental health standpoint, it's the, the, the term is actually called paired associations. It's the actual term for triggers. And really what that is, is that um, it's when we actually have a, a neutral stimulus that gets linked to some type of psychological reaction or a fear response to the reaction. So what actually happens is actually a safe type of thing that actually happens to us, so it's neutral, but because we pair it or we think about it from the point um, you know, of uh, uh, something that happened to us in the, in the past, I think that makes it you know, difficult for people. So triggers are basically anything that reminds someone of some type of previous trauma that they've experienced. Okay, so and if you need your dictionaries, just go ahead, don't get there. <laughs> no, I'm not Michael Eric Dyson now. I'm not using really good words. He was at the party. I was, I was, I was he right was. next to him. Uh, he was. And his wife was there on Sunday. And yeah. I hung out with her on, on, on yesterday. Yeah. But back to your triggers, I think you're, you're absolutely right. Um, I think that, you know, during this coronavirus situation, I have not discovered, but I've reflected on the amount of triggers that I do have. So I have mm -hmm. a bit of an OCD trigger or triggers that have to deal with uh, not having enough food or not being clean. And all those right. triggers or paired associations are as a result of uh, adverse childhood experiences that happened when mm -hmm. I was younger. And that's kind of how it's come back to the forefront as to why I haven't panicked so much during this virus, but why I recognize mm -hmm. that I had so much ample supply of stuff because I have a fear, as you talked about, of running out or not having those things. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and I think to your point too, Adrian, uh, Charlemagne the God said it in, in a post a couple of days ago, and he talked about how um, people who live in the hood aren't really tripping because they've lived without for, for the longest and they may do with what they've had yep so to to not have anything at the moment it's it's like dude this is this is how we you've been living so I, I also thought that was a trigger from that aspect of it was actually pretty interesting in my eyes yeah and yeah, I, I, oh, go ahead I thought, got, I thought his, his commentary was was hilarious around this um but yeah. it was it was also true i think that that poor folks um historically have have gone without, you know, for a variety of, of reasons um, and have always found a way to kind of make do of whatever they actually had. And so I think the people who are tripping most are people who are, you know, middle privilege. class. Privileged. Yeah, yeah, privileged, yeah. Pro probably more middle class than yeah. people with a lot of money. They usually have access to more. Um, but I think the way he said it was that it's you whole foes and, and uh, Trader Joe people <laughs> who shop at Trader Joe's and right. Foes. Y'all the one that's actually tripping. First know. of all, I don't I I take issue with that because I shop at Whole Foods and it's not Whole Foods, it's Whole Foods. <laughs> not all the time. And I don't shop at I don't think I shop at Trader Joe's. However, you do shop at Trader Joe's. I would like to say that uh, in some respects I am still very much poor. 
Um, but I also recognize the privilege that I have now. Um, and so I take issue with Charlemagne the God, but that's another subject for another day. Adrian gets his <laughs> pH water from Trader Joe's. First of all, it's not pH water. It's 99.9% bacteria removed. <laughs> Look, I yeah, grew up drinking out of water hoses, and I'm fine. <laughs> right. We'll just say you turned out fine. First of all, well, you have to... I'm just your growth a little bit. Probably more healthy than you, Adrian. Don't let my good looks and good charm fool you. I grew up on the back roads of Georgia and Alabama, and so I am I am used to this life. If life were to become more uncomfortable, my point that I was going to try to make earlier was that I think that you are absolutely right, Mike, in your comments as well as Charlamagne. Got out just being a little bit facetious. Facetious is that I think that those who are in middle class, um, they have a fear of being without. Whereas, you know, most poor folk uh, or people who don't have the means all the time, you know, kind of make they make ways to make it work. I think that's why you see the hoarding and the fighting and the chaos at grocery stores, because it's the fear of I can't have it and I'm used to having it. And then that also leads to greed, which, you know, in this country, capitalism and greed go hand in hand. So I think that that's really part of because even when this coronavirus broke out, the amount of price gouging that happened on basic supplies of people raising the prices on hand sanitizer and trying to capitalize this from a monetary Mm -hmm. standpoint because of the crisis that we're in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was interesting to me because I, I think that for me, the, the, the recession of 2008, 2009 kind of helped to prepare me because I think I went through that, you know, because grew up poor, grew up in the projects, was able to kind of, you know, make a decent living for myself and, you know, had a decent size 401k. And when I began to kind of see all of that, you know, dwindle and kind of go away, you know, I was like, man, I don't work my whole life to, to get here. And now it's all gone. You know, I did what they told yeah. me to do. I saved percentage of my income, I invested, you know, did all this other kind of stuff. Um, you know, and then of course the market, the market kind of bounced back. And, um, and so that experience for me, this doesn't feel like a trigger for me, um, personally, at least, you know, cause I know that I was able to kind of lose a lot, but, uh, eventually kind of get it back with time. And so, um, you know, I, I am not as concerned at this point in time <laughs> as I was, around the same time, you know, when the, the recession kind of hit us, you know, even like for the kind of physical thing, you know, because, you know, even the, uh, the people who are, you know, getting the coronavirus and are having the most problems with it generally are, you know, babies, older folks, people who have a, a compromised immune system for some reason um, is mm-hmm. what generally the medical profession are saying. And so since, you know, I don't fit into either one of those three categories that even if I got it, you know, worst come to work, I'm going to have to be self-quarantine for, you know, some period of time or whatever. Um, and so, I, you know, like it, in my mind, it's not even a trigger. It's like, okay, it's like being sick for two weeks. It would suck. I don't want it to happen, but, you know, it, it chances of it ending in, you know, uh, death or something like that is not as likely. So it's not a big a trigger. It's not as big of a trigger for me. Right. So then... Right. What would you see or what would you say then are some of your triggers, Mike? And then I guess we can just all go around and talk about our triggers. <sighs> you know, I've been thinking about that. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I have some. Um, oh, so, yeah. So, yeah. So this whole situation, I was, I was somewhat triggered um, because of how the adults uh, handled or mishandled the situation. I had a situation in Mississippi 
Um, this was several years ago, probably 15 years ago, I went down there to do their independent living conference. And the people who put on the conference uh, is, a, is a, uh, uh, an organization, a private provider called the Baptist Children's Home or something like that. I can't. It's, it's you're just going, you're just going to throw them on the, under the bus like that. Yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. Cause that's, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to tell the truth and shame the devil. Um, <laughs> Some religious organization down in Mississippi. And so they invited me. And so, you know, one of the things that I, you know, to do to engage young people is I would use, you know, pop culture, popular music. Um, this was years ago. This was before streaming service. Um, this was when CDs was out. And usually I would have control of the music. So whenever, and this was before they, you know, they didn't really, uh, well, they probably sold CDs that uh, didn't have profanity on it. I just didn't buy those CDs. And so usually when the profanity would come on, I would just turn the volume down and then turn it back up. Um, and, and I did the same thing here. However, of course, kids knew the song. They were singing along with it. So when I would turn down the volume for the cussing part, they still said it. And so, <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I didn't expect that. I couldn't necessarily turn down their volume, you know, but anyway, uh, after that whole conference, uh, I got all of the people, kids came up to me, they loved it. Uh, the staff came up to me. They loved it. They said, you know, this was the best, um, you know, keynote the kids had ever, you know, had they, you know, been engaged, blah, blah, blah. You know, even the state independent living coordinator came up to me, said the same thing. And then this old white guy who looked like he, he had, uh, you know, white people look older than they really are. He looked like he was in his 80s. He probably was in his 60s, maybe 70s. I don't know. But he just looked, he was just an old white the guy. The views and opinions uh, expressed by Michael Sanders are not those reflected of the Daily Gym. They are, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> So he came up to me and said, you know, the total opposite said, you know, all the staff came up to him and, you know, disappointed that I played that song that had, you know, the profanity in it. And I said, which, really, which staff, you know, I said, because then I named all of his staff that came up to me. I said, because all of them just came up to me, said it was the best that they've ever had, that the young people loved it, that they were engaged. They never had a speaker that was engaging them. So, on. so tell me which staff, you know, long story short, he asked me not to come back the next day for the conference. I was excused. <laughs> So, you got uh, dismissed you know, by Jesus. Like, give, me, give me my check. I'll, 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 I'll go home. I have no problem with that. Um, right. But what I, I did not like or what I didn't appreciate is that that was his own personal views. And I would have appreciated mm -hmm. and respected him more if he would have said that I don't like it. I don't think that's a good way to engage young people. And I would have said, and you know, and I, I told him, I actually said that I would respect you more if you would just tell me the truth. I know that your staff didn't come up to you and say that. I said, because your staff was all up here talking to me. If you notice, you had to wait in line until all of your staff actually left talking to me and the kids, you know, so I know that they actually didn't say that to me. And so I, I really kind of lost, you know, respect for him for, you know, doing that. Um, but anyway, mm -hmm. you know, long story short, something similar happened just a couple of weeks ago. They kind of did the same type of thing. And so I was really kind of triggered and that kind of took me back to, um, you know, the, actually that's not even really the true definition. I was triggered because it actually really was a real situation. <laughs> now that I think about it, it was exactly <laughs> like that. It wasn't a new thing. So the original question is, what are your triggers? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm going to tell you what happened. Mike had a, you told Harpo to beat me moment. Yes, that's what he that did. was. He went... <laughs> Exactly. He he really did just go in and completely skipped over the question. Like he went back. <laughs> so we're so, gonna go to you, Jamal, ask you what are your triggers and give Michael a chance to come up what are his actual triggers <laughs> other than the episode he just said. 
you know, I think one of my one of my triggers is is for the most part is someone telling me that I can't. Yes. Um that I mean, that's probably the biggest one for me. You tell me I can't do it, I'm I'm turn around and looking at you and tell you motherfucker watch me, right? So, um cuz I just remember even even as it pertains to youth and care, um I I remember coming in. Uh, you've heard the story thousands of times coming into care in my first home and my at 13 my foster mother act like she didn't want to let me cook even though i knew how to cook but she didn't want to let me because she thought i was gonna you know burn down, burn down her kitchen and yep. yeah and you know that that stuck with me and i think that's another reason why i've been able to in the help of mentors like um little michael um <laughs> <laughs> Um, like with help with mentors from, from Mike and, you know, other people that have been in the space, um, for me to continue to push the envelope. So if, if anything is a trigger, that's the one, um, if you want to go a little deeper, it's not being able to be there for my children because, Hmm. you know, of, of my parents. Right. So anytime, anytime I can't be with them, that, that kind of messes with me in a way. Yeah. So, you know, I know we try to be as authentic and real as possible on the show, which is why so many people listen to us. So we appreciate you guys. And I'm going to be real honest. I have a, a lot of triggers. Uh, <laughs> yes, you do. So I'm not going to give all of them, but some of the similar to what Jamal said, some of the real triggers that have kind of come back up during the coronavirus has been going without not being clean, uh, not having a place to stay or having utilities on because of that's a real trigger for me. So I try to plan in advance as much as possible to make sure that some, one of those critical things uh, won't happen. Um, being discounted. So uh, at, at the time, not having a voice. So I would kind of associate that with my, some of my triggers are being told I can't do something because of age or intellect. Um, and I think that if I had to narrow it down in the simplest terms as possible, um, but more importantly, my mentor slash, uh, therapist, Mike has said that I have a real, real issue with stupid people. Um, and that I get really, really upset really, really fast. And that is not that necessarily, is, yes, yes. Uh, I don't think it's <laughs> stupid people. I think I really get frustrated and super angry with ill-informed people. Um, because yeah. information is so readily available. And I really appreciate what our brother E said uh, yesterday when we were on a, a call with him when he said, if you can Google it, you don't need to teach it. Uh, in the sense of it is so easy to go to Google, to not only just go to Google, but to verify it. And there's so much misinformation and lies that people put out there, especially on social media. That's a real trigger for me where, uh, that I had to go off on a fellow sister um, because you can like you just post stuff without even clicking on the article yourself to verify when it was posted or when it was. So I'm not about to go off on a tangent. But anyway, those are some of, those are just some of my triggers. <laughs> yeah. OK, so, I, you know, it, it's hard because like a true trigger for me. I don't know if, if I if I haven't just experienced one in a long time, I think that might be the thing, uh, because a, a true trigger is Oakland when we got robbed. Oh, yep. So stop blind. It was mine. I had to calm myself. My true trigger was not being in control. No. Like I was about to. No, Mike's me. trigger. No, no, Mike's trigger was the Airbnb. dealing with Airbnb. Yeah. That was Mike's trigger. <laughs> <laughs> because Mike is so used to platinum status and no. diamond packages that um, because now he that, wasn't getting that level of service, he now, just went completely now, off. Now, now, I am. I am seriously concerned about being able to maintain my status on 
both airline and hotel. I'm like more concerned about that than anything that the coronavirus has actually caused. I'm going to be 100 with you. You know, I do not want to lose my status. Oh, <laughs> Lord. I work, I work hard for it. Now, the good thing about Marriott is that I'm lifetime titanium. So I don't have oh, What does that pay. even mean? That but for right. And for Hyatt and for uh, Delta, I have to, you know, earn that every year. So that's more of my concern. But that, I mean, that's, so, not, really, that's not a trigger, Jamal, because a trigger is like when at something neutral happens, that's really not a danger to you. But you, because you associate it with something else, your reaction is, you know. Dude, we were I'll, about to be homeless. I we were about to be. We were about to be homeless. That's what triggered you. No, I, I was never going to be homeless. <laughs> you remember he, 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 to, he told us in the car that he was going to stay at a hotel. We was going to be on our own. Right. I did not I'm glad I was in the crib. I did not. Um, it was all being reimbursed. So it didn't matter where we stayed. We was getting money back. <laughs> but yeah, so, I do get upset when I feel like I'm being discriminated against. But that's, yes. that's just a trigger. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's cool. you know, so, I mean, it is there. But how does this and we talk about these triggers and you know everything that the corona is is doing to shift how we live how does this affect our youth you know that already have issues with connecting with people um already have issues with uh you know the lack of mm-hmm. you know yeah. how does how does that affect them i think i think youth who are you know and who aren't living with their families so youth who are on probation um, or youth who are in, in facilities. It, yeah, absolutely. I think it definitely will impact them at a greater level um, than it impact, impacts, you know, other kids. I think, you know, kids who are with their, their families, they kind of have that um, thing to kind of go on. You know, we're, we're all kind of going through this together. I think it's going to impact, you know, youth in foster care in several ways. You know, one of which is um, because the, the child welfare system is impacted by this and, you know, their work is really kind of halted, kids aren't going to get to visit their families like right. they used to. You know, usually um, they get to visit their families, uh, hopefully at least once a week. Um, you know, but a lot of that's going to stop because of the kind of concern. You know, and I'm hoping that systems will utilize, you know, the various technological um, pieces that we have in order to, you know, make sure that young people kind of stay in contact with them. That's one of my big concerns. Uh, the other one, I think, is that, um, you know, college is shut down without much notice. Um, you know, most kids get to just go home. Kids who were in foster care or from the foster care system, I think, are going to be impacted uh, much more harshly by that because sometimes they don't always have places to go to. And so I think the impact, you know, is potentially, you know, uh, very extreme for, for young people. Right. I think that was, an, uh, you, make a, you bring up a great point, Mike. That was actually a very serious unintended consequence when universities and colleges started shutting down campuses because of coronavirus. And I know advocates like Jamal and Lisa and all them in Ohio um, started reaching out to universities. And I know that it uh, tried to bring it to folks' attentions that, hey, there's a population of young people who don't have a place to go home to. Um, mm-hmm. So you, you shutting down the dorms and campuses is a huge, huge problem. And just in general, I remember seeing a story about the University of Dayton where they gave notice for young people to get off campus. And there was sort of like they had to send in the riot police to kind of quell the response. Like 48 hours or something like that. Uh, right. They gave a, a strict timeline to get off campus. And, you know, young mm-hmm. people were visibly as they, you know, were upset as they should be. Um, to your other point real quickly, I think that you are absolutely correct. I think growing up in the system, um, 
for those young people who are currently in the system, one of the things that you look forward to is consistency because everything else is so unstable. Yeah. And so this coronavirus has disrupted that consistency, which disrupts stability, which could have some long-term effects or even some interim effects that I think social systems should really take a look at how do they maintain some sense of normalcy in an already unnormal situation with young people in care. Well, and what we're doing behind the scenes now um, is requesting like uh, the cap come off of Chafee. You know, most jurisdictions, uh, federal guidelines say you have to use at least 30% of your Chafee towards services. Um, so raising the age, lifting the cap, getting more money added to it. Um, uh, one release that we um, sent up as recommendations is to add another 500 million um, to the Chafee account. I mean, so there's there's a lot that we're trying to do um, and then getting seeing that for a second time, uh, the bill has been shot down for the relief package. Um, so as as a policy person, I'm watching that closely. Um, so I'm watching that closely and I know how how those recommendations are going to be um, beneficial to the youth that we serve um, in this particular population, because that'll open up, you know, ETV even more. Um, that'll open up uh, what child welfare agencies are going to be able to do as far as who they can serve, especially those young people that are between the 21 to 24 um, uh, age range. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of things happening uh, behind the scenes and on the ground. Um, you know, from what I understand, they're working on the third <laughs> coronavirus uh, relief package bill as we speak. So it's just, it's so much, man. Yeah. <laughs> so I also much. think about um, how this could be very difficult for young people who are, and I'm not saying this out, you know, to any disrespect to all the great resource families and foster parents out there, this could be very challenging for foster youth or young people in care who are in homes that are not necessarily the best. And so um, this could further um, accentuate some problems or challenges that are already there. And so what are social service systems doing to make sure um, that we are making sure that we protect that placement as much as possible? Because it's going to be very difficult to move young people uh, from place to place during this coronavirus. That's the first thing. And then just for young people in general who are not in the system, um, because we want to make sure that we expand this to a broader audience, is that young people... Uh, at least from the news stories that I mean, not necessarily teenagers, but there are a lot of younger demographics, the 17, 18 year olds who aren't taking this as seriously as they should, as they should. And I know the Surgeon General has come out and saying this week that it's the number in cases are going to spike. I know there were cases out of California and Florida where folks were still going to the beaches and still like going on as life is normal. I know that the governor of New York said he was going down there to the park to make sure that kids were uh, that young people weren't in the parks. I think that. Um, it's <laughs> because, but that speaks to it's it speaks to the brain development and risk behavior, which is the natural part of yeah. their uh, natural part of just that their brain development at that time. Um, but I think that it uh, the real concern is is that it's not about you catching the disease yourself and being okay. It's about you spreading that disease to some of the affected right. populations. Mm -hmm. But but think about it. Isn't this isn't this the same conversation we had with sexually transmitted diseases? Like. I mean, think about when you were a kid and you were going through school and they had sex ed and they said, you know, we're talking about spreading things and, and, and whatnot <laughs> yeah. to be careful yeah. work, you know? So, I mean, this is, it's the same conversation. True. Well, it's the same conversation. Well, I mean, I, I think it takes it to a, a different level in the sense that, you know, you can spread this disease without ha having sexual contact. 
Um, so I think it's, you know, it's spread a little bit easier. Um, but I, I do think you're right. I think that, you know, um, this really kind of exacerbates, you know, kind of where teens are when you think of normal teen development brain, uh, adolescent development, it's, it's just, you know, part of teens, you know, not to listen. And so, you know, being able to kind of speak their language and helping them to kind of see uh, why this is important. Um, you know, the adults in their lives, you know, have a, a, a bigger job to be able to articulate this in a way um, that, uh, that the news media can't, because the news media isn't talking to, you know, 15, 16, 17 year old kids, you know, right. even 21, 22 year old kids, you know, that's not their demographic. And so I think that the people who love and know these young people the best have the best chance of being able to kind of articulate that. Um, but, but also, you know, what do we replace this with? I think, you know, young people generally don't have a problem when you can kind of replace it. Like when you tell a young person, you tell me to, you know, go home and sit down for two weeks. I'm like, thank God, you know, I'm, I, I needed this. You know, you tell a 14, 15, 16 year old, you know, to go and sit in the house for two weeks. That's, you know, unheard of. That's like telling a three-year-old to sit down at a black Baptist church service that's going to, you know, revival meeting and be quiet. You know, that's just not possible for them to do. And so I think that, you know, the adults in their lives have to, you know, be aware of that and to think about how can we, you know, get our young people outside in a safe way? How can they have contact with folks uh, in a safe way, um, you know, so that they don't feel like they're actually missing something? Gotcha. Yeah. All right. That's uh, when we come back, we're going to play our unpopular opinion, which is going to be done by Jamal. And so in that spirit, I'm going to play a very unpopular song for the fellas, but it's my favorite. Notice D Nice didn't play any uh, Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> <laughs> no, he did not. I sent him. A, I sent him he a few didn't. DMs to play Springsteen. He didn't listen, but that's all right though. I'll, I'll, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna become my own DJ. I've been asking Jamal a whole bunch of questions. So when I go live and start playing all my hits and I blow up, don't say I didn't warn y'all. Oh, it's, oh it's boy, that we be on that live. <laughs> right. So so my unpopular opinion um, is involved with this whole stimulus and and. Um, the government giving folks a thousand to two thousand dollars to kind of keep them afloat, and what I'm hearing uh, is that I'm not going to take the check because it's coming from Trump. I'm not going to take the check because they're trying to buy, they're trying to buy <laughs> votes. Um, I don't necessarily uh, believe or think that way. I mean, if the government is going to bail, you know, big corporations out by trillions of dollars, then give me my thousand dollars. I need that. <laughs> I need that. But, you know, and I think it's unpopular because it's coming from this administration. I think you're absolutely right. Um, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, <laughs> <laughs> I think that this particular president, no matter what your politics are, has been so divisive. And we've had divisive presidents before. But literally, like when it comes to the government giving you money, people are literally saying that they're not going to take money because it's coming from him. And that is crazy because it, it, it then it, it denotes the connotation that you now support him and his administration. And that's going to send him off to a reelection. But that, exactly. But doesn't, kinda, but doesn't it kind of say that, though? Like if, if you are as against them as people are, some people are, you know, would you really want him to do something like I, I saw a, a tweet? 
that he made that said that, you know, before he sent out these checks, he's going to check everybody's social media. He would not want to offend you by giving you some money. That wasn't verified, Trump. <laughs> no, that I'm sure that, that that was made up, but it was hilarious. It um, wasn't. It, it was. But you find me, you find me one European. <laughs> no, you find me one European. <laughs> Did you need your opinion? <laughs> what, the, what the hell is a European? Wait a minute. <laughs> he said, he said, find me a European. Are you, are you, are you, are you, are you, are you, no, no, I was saying European. Um, as in white, but you find me one white person that um, turned down Obama's stimulus check. Yeah, I I never knew that he sent out stimulus checks. I That's because it. you already had money in the bank. You discussed this earlier with your four hundred one k. For those of us who you, you who were impoverished and you knew us then, but didn't help us, uh, right? We we relied on that. We relied on that that stimulus check to to keep to stay afloat. Right. Well, so and you didn't hear you didn't hear all the the things that you're hearing now. But are you? But wait a minute. Are are we sure that we didn't hear? Because like. I don't, so I know that for, for some Europeans, <laughs> Obama was just as divisive True. to them yep. as Trump yeah. is to some African Americans. And so is it because we didn't run in their circles that we didn't necessarily hear or say that? I mean, I, I don't know. That. Oh, no, no. I mean, that's all, awesome. he, he, took, he took a lot of flack for the auto bailout. Uh, and then took a lot of flack for the banks and he took a lot of flack for the stimulus checks. I think that what in, as it relates to, you know, and everyone has different areas. I think at that time for our generation, we were sort of, uh, younger and didn't have as much responsibilities as we do now. So the way we view presidents is a little bit different. Uh, and so I think that this time now that we we're living in under the Trump administration, um, I think that people do signal because he is such a divisive president people will not agree that he's divisive that's one thing you can agree on he is a very divisive president uh and sometimes by his own doing i think that him handing us money is a ticket because one people will think that one it's going to get him reelected because if you give some people money then they're gonna you know support you well trump gave us that stimulus check so he he ain't too bad with me um right. and i think right. there are some people who will try to who will be very very reluctant but my question is is if you file your taxes online or electronically and the IRS already has information, that's a direct deposit. So you, you're going to get the yep. money regardless. What are you going to do? Send it back to the IRS? I, look, right. Exactly. I would take anybody who want to give me money. I'm taking it. I don't care who it is. And what I don't see, person? but you have so much, you have so much money. You didn't even know it got dropped into your account. So <laughs> let's no, it, it didn't get dropped into my account because it was only people who made, uh, I think it was, was it 50,000? And, and here it goes. And boom, those dynamite. That's most of the country. <laughs> right, <laughs> but not Mike. That, in his in his circle, he talked about circles of and people who, that he was in that circle. More, I was three dollars and fifty cent more than what the threshold was, so I didn't get the check. Shut up. For <laughs> <laughs> real. So, so you listening? You listening? Whatever, dude. Whatever. You know, you you know, you filthy. Um, but if you're listening, um, let us know what you think about the possibility of stimulus checks coming. Um, are you going to accept it? Are you not? Do you think this is a ticket uh, to buy the next presidency? What do you think?
I don't think people who didn't vote for him should get it. <laughs> <laughs> so since both of y'all getting it, we know. First of all, the package has not been passed yet, and it has not been signed. Oh, yeah, and I think it like it defeated, so they're on like version number three or four or whatever. But any, but in any event. We got a brand new segment coming up that we talked about in our last episode called Off the Wall, where we talk about comments and things that we take off the wall. So when we come back off the wall, stay with us. Bam. On your shoulders. Oh. <laughs> so he was supposed to be muted, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry. Oh, it was. It definitely was. Classic. Jamal, what's the off the wall questions this week that we'll post to our social media so folks can respond to? Okay. So off the walls. And you know, not Yang twins to the windows to the walls to the never mind. <laughs> oh my god! I'm, listen, I'm telling you, that was one of the best songs in the world. Oh my god! I don't think John three sixteen agrees with that. Yeah, this is sure? this is why it's so hard to do a podcast what? with no. y'all because the the Christian in me realizes <laughs> that two of y'all are like gasoline Whatever. draws on your way to hell. Whatever. The off the wall question is if you could travel anywhere, where would it be? Anywhere in the world, where would it be? Where would I go? Where would you go? And we're saying that because we know that the coronavirus is forcing everyone to sit at home. But at before they started putting these shelter in place orders in effect, um, flights were very, very, very cheap. And so before countries mm-hmm. started closing their borders and before Governor started enacting only essential travel only and stuff like that. You could actually kind of take a much needed vacation. And there was a whole swath of the society uh, and community who were literally trying to book vacations and flights and stuff because it's so cheap to travel right now. Yeah, it is cheap to travel. And I see people uh, with the memes talking about, you know, I'll be in uh, Cancun on a $29 flight. But they can't go to Mexico now because uh, Mexico closes borders. Yeah. Oh well. So I would say I I don't know where I would go right now, um, but I like talking about music. Wherever I go, I'm gonna be listening to music. Actually, the place that I would love to go, um, I can't go uh, because it is the most effective place to go, which is Italy. Rome is my favorite city in the world. It is a favorite city that I study. It's uh, a lot of our system of government here in America is based off the Roman system. Uh, and yet they have had, outside of China, they've had the worst impact of the coronavirus and I, until the U.S. takes them over, which I think will happen in the next year, in the next <laughs> few weeks. But uh, So I mean, um, I'm going to go to Rome in my house by watching the HBO series Rome, uh, Gladiator, and reading the book Julius Caesar. But what if we're immune to it, though? Like, like the movie uh, Containment came out in 2016. I just watched that series on Netflix. You know what? This is the in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> there was a little boy that was immune to it. His name was Thomas. And so he couldn't get the little virus and people like died within two days of, of catching it there. But what if you're immune to it? Then, then you could go to Italy. No, we are not immune to the coronavirus. No. We talked about this like an hour ago. 
But here, here's the, here's the interesting thing. I'm glad it's crazy you brought up Italy though, because I've saw, um, I've seen videos of them, you know, playing music outside their porches and you know, as a community, kind of jamming together. So, which leads to another question. You know, if you had to download one thing, you know, if your Wi-Fi was good for an hour, and you had to download one album, you know, to to listen to during this whole quarantine, what would it be? I know, I know what mine would be, and I already got everything. So, I'm, yeah, I'm taking <clears> Spring, <throat> I'm taking Springsteen with me to Italy. Um, but post your comments on on our Facebook page, on our Instagram page. Uh, we'll post a, a picture so you can comment, and we'll get to some of those in the next episode. Also, we got a new thing where we want to make sure that you have the number to call into the show. So if you got yes. uh, the answers to the questions for where would you travel with whom or who's your favorite music that you're listening to for an hour, you can call us at 443-961-4746. Leave us a message. Um, and we will possibly read those on the air again, four, four, three, nine, six, one, four, seven, four, six. That's how you get in touch with the daily jam. And of course, as always at T daily jam on all of our social media platforms, fellas, any closing thoughts before I close out with my Facebook post? Seven, 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 nine, three, 11. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, yeah, mm-hmm, it's done, but I was just thinking about more staying the time. Sorry. <laughs> Actually, Jamal's trying to keep on because you know he got to go with the, uh, be with his kids. Technically, I was about to say technically they're still in school, but um, no, they're not. It's three o'clock. They they in school downstairs at your house. Exactly. Get to watch on Netflix. Ozark comes out this week, so I got to catch up. Oh, oh, I didn't. Yes, last week. That's what I all week. All right, so so before we close out, I wanted to uh, make sure that we want to say thank you so much, folks, for listening to us. We know that this is a very difficult time during the coronavirus, and we hope that we've provided a little little bit of uh, levity and brevity for you um, throughout this time. So make sure you tune into The Daily Jam and follow us on our social media platforms. Um, The fellas and I were talking offline. They thought it'd be a good idea that we share one of the Facebook posts um, as it relates to young people and growing up in character in this time. So we're going to play that, and then we'll see you next time on an episode of The Daily Jam. So it's been a really great episode uh, today on The Daily Jam, and I want to end it with this post that I had posted to my public Facebook account uh, online uh, last week after I had returned from the grocery store in the midst of all this coronavirus hysteria. Some of it's warranted, so please listen to the health officials. but this could be a very challenging and triggering time, as you heard today, as one of the main topics of the show uh, for a lot of current and former foster youth, including myself. And so I made this post because this is what I was reflecting on as I was putting my groceries away. And I wanted to share this post with you uh, as we close out today's episode. If you have a unique experience to grow up in foster care, you develop certain traits, habits, isms, quirks, and other forms of survival to preserve your sanity. For example, you hoard food because you used to be hungry. You have an obsession with cleanliness due to being teased for being dirty. You crave utility and rent stability due to the number of times you've been evicted or have lived in the darkness. Well, I know others may experience some form of this during the normal course of life. It's a little different for former current foster youth. In fact, it can become very triggering. As I was putting away groceries today, I realized just how far I've come. 
I don't panic because I have the means to solve the potential challenges or shortages. But at the same time, I realize just how OCD I am since emancipating from foster care. Believe me when I tell you this. In 16 years, I've yet to run out of soap, toilet paper, paper towels, toothpaste, lotion, deodorant, or any other necessity needed for daily life. I refuse. I don't hoard for the zombie apocalypse or stash away for COVID-19 purposes. I keep just enough for a steady supply to survive. I am this way because I remember how helpless, dirty, unwanted, and hungry I used to be. And I refuse to ever, ever feel that way again. And for the tens of thousands of my foster brothers and sisters who are currently in the system or have been in the system, know that you are not far from my thoughts. Ever. Especially during this time.